0: Hello and welcome back to Draminey Audio Fics. My name is Amber and today I will be reading Chapter 10 of All You Want by Sen Lin Yu. This fic is rated E for explicit and does contain consensual sex. Chapter 10. What's going on? Neville's face was suddenly inches away from Hermione's and the first thing she noticed was that his irises were blown wide. The whole world faded away, and all she was aware of was the extreme proximity of an entire pack of alphas, all jostling each other as they tried to get close to her. It was terrifying. They were all a good foot taller than her, rippling muscles, dripping sweat and pheromones, barely dressed, and the expression on their faces was decidedly feral. There was an immediate impulse to back away and bolt but a strong sense of instinct grabbed hold of Hermione's mind. Do not run. She stood still and was afraid to even breathe as they kept pressing closer and closer. She could hear them breathing and sniffing her, and she was pretty sure she knew what it was like to be a dog. It would have been almost funny, except they were huge and she was small, and in the middle of them all. She felt a hand brush against her wrist and flinched away and tried to turn her wrists inward. Are you all right? Neville growled, studying her face intensely. His expression was reminiscent of Malfoy's, enraged, predatory, possessive. I'm I'm fine, she stammered. I'm fine. Anthony tried to bite me, but Malfoy got here in time. I'm fine. I'm not hurt. There was a collective growl around her, and Hermione felt it across her entire body and over her scalp. She shivered and pressed her legs together. McGonagall could have warned her a bit more clearly before they left the classroom. Hermione still felt on edge and aroused from snogging Malfoy, and she could tell that all the boys surrounding her could smell it. Their eyes were black, and it was the sheer number that kept them all from trying anything. The air felt tense, strung out and ready to descend into violence if anyone moved too suddenly. McGonagall was shouting something, but Hermione could barely hear it over the panting and shifting bodies surrounding her. She eyed them nervously and felt her pulse quicken into a thrum as she tried to figure out what to do. "'I'm fine,' she said again. "'Was someone sniffing her hair?' "'Yes, someone behind her was most definitely sniffing her hair.' She hunched her shoulders and tried to shy away, but there was nowhere to go. "'I'm fine,' she repeated. "'You can go. I didn't mean to call you.' She felt a hand slipping around her wrist and jerked away bringing her wrists up to her chest and pressing them against herself. Another hand caressed her waist. "'Stop touching me!' she snarled and tried to breathe. The air was so thick with pheromones it was almost difficult to choke down. She wanted her wand. It was somewhere in the hallway, wherever Anthony had knocked it. Then there was a flash of stunning spells. Several of the alphas, including Neville, dropped. The hallway dissolved into chaos." Several large hands grabbed hold of Hermione and started trying to pull her in multiple directions all at once. The professors were trying to stun the alphas, and the alphas were all instinctively trying to drag Hermione behind them. They were not cognizant anymore, and there were too many of them. A witch cannot be dragged protectively in multiple directions at once, but apparently alpha instincts lacked the nuance to comprehend that. She was afraid they were going to accidentally break her arms as they pulled on her, "'You idiots! You're hurting me!' she shouted angrily and kicked several of them savagely as she tried to jerk herself free. Then there was—Hermione wasn't sure. It was like a magical explosion and she was abruptly wrenched free of all the hands. By the time she had managed to recover herself enough to figure out what had happened, she was pressed against a wall with someone standing in front of her, blocking her entire view. "'She is mine!' The words were snarled with enough force that Hermione could have sworn the walls of Hogwarts vibrated. The hallway fell quiet enough that she could have heard a pin drop. Malfoy? She said in bewilderment as she tried to peer around him. The Hogwarts staff and the few alphas who hadn't been stunned were staring over at them. Mine, Malfoy reiterated. Peter, who was one of the few alphas not unconscious on the floor, appeared to be visibly cowed. Malfoy's expression as he glared at everyone standing in the hallway was terrifying. And so attractive, Hermione's mind cooed. She immediately set herself to fastidiously smothering the unhelpful and irrelevant thought. McGonagall was the first person to recover herself. Yes, thank you, Mr. Malfoy. I believe you have resolved the situation. If you would, please stand down now, she said in a crisp voice. Malfoy didn't move. There was a panting sound and the clip of running feet, and Professor Dawlish came skidding around the corner and came to a stop, immediately leveling his wand at Malfoy. "'Apologies, Minerva,' Dawlish immediately said. "'We were nearly to your office, and he flung me into a wall and disappeared. I suspected he might come back here.' "'There's no need to stun him, John,' Minerva said sharply. "'There was an issue here that Mr. Malfoy ended up being uniquely suited to resolving.' "'Dolish didn't lower his wand, but he didn't curse Malfoy either. "'Minerva turned to glare at the still-conscious alphas "'and then gave a sigh of resignation as she addressed the house-heads. "'I'll leave you all to deal with your students. "'I am going to escort Miss Granger to the hospital wing "'and hope that the night will resolve itself quietly now.' "'Then McGonagall looked over with a slightly exhausted expression "'over to where Hermione was peeking out from behind Malfoy. "'Malfoy still hadn't budged from where he was standing.' I sincerely apologize, Miss Granger. I had no idea that the Alphas would overreact so extremely to the sight of you. That was a terrible oversight on my part. Are you all right? Hermione found herself sidling closer to Malfoy, pressing into his robes and trying not to give in to the temptation of smelling him. Maybe a bit bruised, Hermione said. But they didn't break anything. Perhaps you and Mr. Malfoy could both come with me to the hospital ward. Rolanda, John, if you'll accompany me. Malfoy looked down at Hermione, and she was somewhat surprised to find that his expression was not feral. He appeared entirely lucid. He also appeared to be supremely pissed off. Their eyes only met for a second before he looked away, pressed his hands against his face and gave an unnecessarily dramatic sigh before turning toward the wall and smacking his forehead into it repeatedly. Hermione stared. Finally he looked down at Hermione. Granger he said in a resigned tone as he gestured toward McGonagall. Hermione walked stiffly toward the headmistress. The evening was beginning to give her emotional whiplash. There was a brief pause and another sigh, and then she heard Malfoy's footsteps behind her. Hermione cast her eyes around as she walked, trying to remember exactly where in the hallway Anthony had grabbed hold of her. She wanted her wand back. She caught sight of it lying on the ground near a tapestry and snatched it up and slid it into her pocket with a faint sigh of relief. Not having it gave her a grating sense of anxiety. She turned and nearly bumped into Malfoy who was standing right behind her. She blushed and darted over to McGonagall. The headmistress was looking at both Hermione and Malfoy with a thoughtful expression as they approached her. Hermione's eyes narrowed. Surely McGonagall didn't think Hermione was in some kind of secret relationship with Malfoy. Hermione nearly laughed aloud at the thought. "'Mr. Malfoy,' McGonagall said, "'I realize belatedly that I should have already asked you to accompany me to the hospital ward, "'as it will speed the diagnosis on Mr. Goldstein.' Malfoy snorted faintly, and McGonagall gave him a pointed look. "'Of course, headmistress. However, I can assist the school,' he said." McGonagall turned and swept toward the hospital ward without another word, Hermione and Malfoy and the professors trailing after her. The moment they walked into the hospital ward, Madame Pomfrey descended upon them. Minerva, thank goodness! I was just about to send word. I had just put Mr. Goldstein into bed and then— Madame Pomfrey waved an arm somewhat wildly and gestured across the room. This! She pointed to a bed that held a chrysalis the size of a kayak— Hermione turned wide eyed to look at Malfoy, who was the only person in the room who wasn't stunned by the sight. I can't undo it, Madame Pomfrey continued. I ran a diagnostic and it shows that he is dissolving, dissolving! Have you apprehended the student responsible for the attack? That would be Mr. Malfoy here, McGonagall said in a wry tone. What did you hex him with? Madame Pomfrey said, rounding on Malfoy suspiciously. I'm not certain. The moment was a bit of a blur. "'Malfoy said demurely, straightening his robes. "'Madam Pomfrey's eyes narrowed. "'That is one of the most complicated hexes "'I have ever seen in my career. "'You did not transform Mr. Goldstein "'into a pupa by accident. "'Well, if he really is in the process "'of turning into a butterfly, "'then I believe the spell came from a book "'of obscure hexes in my family's library. "'I'm afraid I don't remember any counter-charm for it,' "'Malfoy said, looking unrepentant. "'There may not have been one.' If I recall correctly, the hexes in that book were all non-permanent and non-lethal, although I couldn't say exactly how non-permanent. "'He is dissolving!' Madame Pomfrey said sharply. "'I'm sure he'll just pupate for a week or two, and then emerge transformed to some degree,' McGonagall said in a dry voice, "'which will give me time to determine whether to expel him in addition to stripping him of his prefect status.' "'Poppy?' Since it appears that Mr. Goldstein will not be doing anything in the immediate future aside from dissolving, would you mind checking Miss Granger for injuries? I believe that some Mertlap essence may be in order for her neck, and there's possibly some bruising on her arms. Madame Pomfrey muttered something about irresponsible magic, but appeared resigned that nobody thought that dissolving was an undeserved fate for Anthony Goldstein, and turned her attention to Hermione. While Hermione was getting prodded, McGonagall stared down at her. Now, Miss Granger, if you would explain what happened. Well, Hermione said, feeling the tips of her ears grow hot. I lost track of time when I was reading in the library. When I realized what time it was, it was past curfew, so I headed toward Gryffindor Tower. Hermione decided to omit the part about running away from Filch. When I was on my way there, I ran into Anthony and Pansy on Prefect Patrol." "'Anthony volunteered to walk me back to the dorm "'so I wouldn't risk a double points loss "'if I ran into a professor. "'I told him that was unnecessary, but he... "'He... Hermione's voice trailed off. "'He insisted. "'I think he used some kind of alpha tone on Pansy and I, "'because it got... blurry for a bit. "'And then Pansy was walking away, "'and he and I were walking together. "'Hermione felt her shoulders tense "'and her stomach twist as she tried to continue.' She felt horribly stupid and angry and betrayed that it had even happened, that she hadn't kept track of the time, that she hadn't resisted Anthony's voice, that she hadn't hexed him quicker, that her mind had just abandoned her and folded at Anthony's commands. Madame Pomfrey's hand brushed near Hermione's scent gland, and Hermione started with a yelp. "'Sorry, sorry, dear,' Madame Pomfrey said with a soothing voice. "'Could you unbutton your shirt-collar?' "'You've got some marks that I can get healed with a quick charm and a bit of murtlap essence.' Hermione blushed and stared down at her shoes as she reached up and undid the top three buttons of her shirt. Madame Pomfrey leaned forward and brushed Hermione's hair aside before beginning to perform healing charms. Hermione hissed faintly and she shivered as she felt the magic interact with her scent glands. It felt like a physical violation. They were such a deeply sensitive and entwined part of her physiology.' Feeling Pomfrey casually use magic on them was like being publicly fondled. It made Hermione's skin crawl. Hermione swallowed the bitter taste in her mouth and tried not to cringe or express her discomfort. She pressed her wrists together tightly and held her breath. It wasn't as though anyone but possibly Malfoy would understand. The intrusive sense of forced intimacy was hard to verbalize, even to herself. She held herself rigidly until the magic stopped. "'Here's some Murtlap essence. Would you like me to apply it or do it yourself?' "'I'll do it myself,' Hermione said promptly and nearly snatched the jar from the matron's hands. The thought of having someone rubbing something into her scent glands in front of Malfoy and McGonagall and Hooch and Dawlish was just—the mere thought was unbearable. Hermione shoved the jar into her pocket and rebuttoned her shirt. Then she set her jaw and forced herself to continue telling McGonagall what had happened. "'Anyway, Anthony asked me out,' And when I said no, he made some rather horribly demeaning and sexist comments. So I said I was leaving and started walking away. And he used an alpha tone and, for some reason, I couldn't, couldn't resist the way I had before. And he got really angry that I was fighting him. And he said he was going to, going to bite me. And then he said he was going to fuck me. Because according to him, being an unbound omega just makes me an open invitation. Hermione's voice was shaking with rage. If Anthony weren't in the middle of liquefying himself inside a cocoon, Hermione would have probably gone over and beaten him to death with a bedpan. He forced me into a submissive headspace so I couldn't keep saying no, Hermione said in a tight, matter-of-fact voice. Then, after that, Malfoy showed up. I wasn't very lucid, but they dueled, I think. Afterward, Malfoy took me into that classroom and tried to pull me out of the subspace, but I was a a bit—a bit—I wasn't a bit of a state— and it took a while for him to figure out how to do it. Hermione glanced up toward Malfoy, who was expressionless. She glanced back down at her shoes. Anyway, when he finally woke me up, I was something of an emotional wreck at first. And Malfoy was very nice about it, and then the professors arrived, and that's what happened, Hermione said hurriedly. Did you take the suppressants today? McGonagall asked slowly. Yes. It's the first thing I do every morning. Hermione said in a tight voice, feeling insulted that McGonagall would even suggest she would be so careless. "'Perhaps the potions lose efficacy over time,' the headmistress said thoughtfully. "'I'll have Horace brew a new batch, and we can compare them with your current supply.' McGonagall eyed Malfoy. "'Tell me, Mr. Malfoy, how was it that you happened to get to Miss Granger before all the rest of the Alphas, despite the Slytherin dorm being furthest from the attack?' Malfoy's expression flickered for a moment before growing guilty. I was violating curfew by practicing charms in a classroom, he muttered. Indeed, McGonagall said in a skeptical tone. And then you sensed Miss Granger's distress? Malfoy gave a short nod. Hermione studied him. He was lying about something, but she wasn't sure what. And what did you witness when you arrived? Malfoy's jaw clenched. Goldstein had her shoved into the wall and she was saying no, and he ordered her to stop fighting him. So you hexed him. McGonagall finished. Malfoy's expression relaxed slightly and his eyes gleamed. "'I may have punched him a few times, too.' "'Or more than a few times,' muttered Dawlish. "'Well, Mr. Malfoy, this night has been quite... illuminating. I'm afraid that due to your being out past curfew, casting what is currently an irreversible hex and attacking a professor, I will have to deduct thirty points from Slytherin,' McGonagall said." Hermione found herself glaring at her former head of house. McGonagall continued. However, for saving Miss Granger and demonstrating what I understand to have been remarkable self-restraint, and then helping to bring a quick resolution to an extremely unfortunate situation in the hallway, I award eighty points to Slytherin. If you will, please return to your dorm now. Dawlish made a faint sound of displeasure. Malfoy's eyes went briefly to Hermione, but darted away before making eye contact. He drew himself up and inclined his head slightly. Headmistress? Professors? Granger? He turned on his heel and headed for the door, pausing only briefly to glance down at the bed Anthony occupied. Hermione thought she saw him smirk faintly. She watched him disappear through the doorway and tried not to sigh. McGonagall rubbed her temple lightly. Poppy, tomorrow, if you're concerned about Mr. Goldstein— We can send him to St. Mungo's or request a spell-damage healer to come examine him. Madame Pomfrey looked over at the cocoon in her hospital ward with an expression of decidedly less concern than she had exhibited previously. Well, I'm sure he's unlikely to die from it. I'll monitor his vitals and see if I can find any reference to hexes like that in my medical library. Very well, McGonagall nodded. I'll send word to his parents tomorrow.' "'Given that the hex occurred due to a situation involving an Omega, "'I don't believe there can be any legal action taken against Mr. Malfoy. "'However, due to the terms of Mr. Malfoy's probation, "'there's a chance the Goldsteins may push the Governor's board "'to demand Mr. Malfoy's expulsion. "'We may be forced to agree to a compromise "'of allowing Mr. Goldstein to finish his studies "'rather than expelling him for attempted sexual assault. "'If that's all right with you, Miss Granger. "'He would be carefully monitored.' Hermione's blood ran cold at the thought of Anthony staying in school with her, but she tried not to show it. It would be awful, awful and horrifically unfair if Malfoy got expelled and sent to prison for saving her. She steeled herself internally. She'd just have to figure out a way of protecting herself better. That's fine, Hermione said, meeting the headmistress's eye. I don't want Malfoy to end up being punished for helping me. McGonagall escorted Hermione up to Gryffindor Tower, and Hermione was quiet deep in thought. When they arrived at the portrait of the fat lady, McGonagall turned and studied Hermione with a serious expression. Miss Granger, I wish to be respectful of your autonomy in all this, but I also need to protect you and the other students in this school. Do you have any idea of what preventative measures we might put in place to ensure nothing like this happens again? I I have a few ideas that I want to explore, Hermione said, twisting at a cuff of her sleeve, but nothing definite yet. McGonagall nodded. Very well. You'll let me know, won't you? If there's any way I or the staff can assist you? Of course, headmistress. I'm sorry about all the trouble I caused by violating curfew. Just bad luck all around tonight, McGonagall said dismissively. Good night, Miss Granger. You should head up to your dorm now. Good night, Hermione said, and entered the portrait hole without another word. She went up to her dorm and into the bathroom, locking the door behind her. The other girls were in bed. Hermione set the jar of Murtlap essence onto the counter and took a deep breath before starting to unbutton her shirt. There were dark bruises on her neck above her collarbones, where her scent glands were, the darker ones on the side where Anthony had sucked on them. She smelled faintly of both Anthony and Malfoy, a fact which made her skin prickle and her head ache slightly every time she breathed through her nose. She pulled her shirt off and found bruises along her arms and wrists. She started dabbing Mertlap Essence onto all of them and watched them slowly fade away, mulling over and cringing internally at McGonagall's question. I wish to be respectful of your autonomy in all this, but I also need to protect you and the other students in this school. Do you have any idea of what preventative measures we might put in place to ensure nothing like this happens again? With the subtext, intentional or not, of you are making the school year difficult for a lot of people. Of course, in retrospect— It was foolish to have thought that suppressants would be enough to act as a solution for being an Omega. If it were that easy, the wizarding world wouldn't have gotten into the habit of marrying off Omegas prior to their presentation. Hermione pulled her shirt back on and went over to her bed and stared at the calendar beside it. October 16th. She had barely more than two months until her next heat. Two months to try to find an Alpha she trusted, or some other kind of solution— She gnawed her lower lip and pulled out all the books she'd accumulated. After Anthony's attack, she was reevaluating quite a few assumptions she had made about alphas and omegas and how the suppressants functioned. She stayed up all night, researching and cross-referencing with her other texts and taking notes. The sun was barely creeping over the horizon when Hermione gathered up her scrolls and books, slipped several letters into envelopes, downed another suppressant, and headed to the Owlery. She watched the school owls disappear into the horizon, felt slightly hollow-headed from exhaustion, and then returned to her dorm to try to catch a few hours of sleep. She skipped breakfast and spent the entire weekend in the eighth-year girls' dorm. The house elves brought sandwiches. Most of the other students had plans and only came back to their rooms to change or sleep. Hermione missed the library. Working on a bed was much less efficient than a library desk but she had already accumulated most of the books that existed on Omegas, and she didn't want to deal with anyone approaching her or disrupting her. The project was rather private. She kept the canopy on her bed closed and hung several strips of parchment on all sides, so that she could keep visual track of her various theories as she developed them. She was standing in the middle of her bed, staring at all her work on Sunday evening when she heard Jinny's voice. "'Hermione, are you in there?' "'Hey, Jin. Hermione said absently, studying the red lines indicating all options she'd eliminated. Ginny's head poked through the canopy and she glanced around with a bewildered expression. "'What are you doing in here?' Ginny squinted and started reading one of the many scrolls of parchment hanging around Hermione. "'A research project on yourself?' Mm "'Mm-hmm,' Hermione said as she reached over and crossed out another option. "'I heard about what happened on Friday night,' Ginny said gently. "'Are you okay?' "'I'm fine,' Hermione said quickly.' I'm just trying to find a solution. After all, if I have to spend my whole school year hiding in the girl's dorm, I might as well just study for my newts via a correspondence course. Do... would you want to get in touch with Charlie? Ginny asked. I'm sure if you were interested, he'd... Hermione sighed. I thought he didn't ever want to get married. Wasn't your mum going on about that before he headed back to the Dragon Reserve? I'm sure it would be different if it was you... I don't really want to end up with someone just because he's an Alpha and I'm an Omega. Unless I get pregnant immediately, he'd have to schedule his work around my heat cycles for the foreseeable future, which doesn't work very well for dragon taming. And even if he could schedule work around it, we couldn't really have it as some kind of seasonal arrangement. Omegas don't... Being alone is... Hermione hesitated. It has a cumulative effect psychologically. So being physically committed to someone who's mostly absent would be well, not my first choice, she finished grimly. And I don't really want to become a dragon tamer or ask him to give up his career. Ginny glanced around and her eyes landed on one of the scrolls. Her eyes widened. Are you really considering? It's just an option I'm exploring, Hermione said quickly. I sent out some letters of inquiry yesterday, just to see if it's even something I could pursue. Ginny looked visibly uncomfortable. "'That would be pretty final, wouldn't it?' "'Well, so is soul-bonding,' Hermione said in a tight voice. She waved her wand and banished all the scrolls into her trunk before Ginny could read more. "'Did you need anything?' "'I was just worried about you. After I heard what happened, especially since you haven't left the dorm all weekend. Although—' She gave Hermione a long look. "'I think I'm more worried about you now.' I'm just trying to be realistic and weigh the options, Hermione said stiffly. I still have some homework to do before tomorrow. I should probably get to it now. Are you sure you don't want to come down to dinner? I'll walk you, Ginny said. Hermione sighed and shook her head. I think I'd rather just stay and work. It's fine. The elves send sandwiches. All right, Ginny said with a sigh. Just know, the offer is always open. Me and the rest of the D.A., We'd be happy to help you however you want us to. I'm going to be this way for the rest of my life, Jin. Hermione said. I have to figure out a better solution than always needing a friend to walk me. You know none of us would mind that. I would mind it, Hermione said firmly. Just... let me know if you need anything. Thanks, Ginny. Hermione was still standing, deep in thought, when she heard the door shut and Ginny's descending footsteps on the stairs. Then she pulled out her potions essay. It was finished, but she'd meant to revise it again before class. The next morning she buried herself among her beta classmates as she went down to breakfast, and then headed to potions class with Dean, Parvati, and Seamus. Theodore Nott and Blaise Zabini were already seated when Hermione walked in, and Theodore blushed the moment he saw her and dropped his eyes. Hermione paid him no attention, and went to settle herself into a far corner as had become her habit that year. Malfoy stalked in a minute before class followed by Pansy and Daphne Greengrass. Daphne's eyes glinted when she saw Malfoy sitting alone, and she quickly slipped into the seat beside him. Pansy shot her friend a dirty look before sitting down disdainfully beside Parvati. The potion they were to begin the process of brewing was veritaserum. Hermione tried very hard to pay attention to what Professor Slughorn was saying about jabbernal feathers, but she found it difficult not to just stare at Malfoy as Daphne kept leaning over and whispering in his ear. She gripped her quill tightly and bore down on it so hard the tip cut through her parchment and left a huge blot. When class was over, Hermione dawdled as she packed up her notes and textbooks, until the rest of the class had left, and then made her way up to Professor Slughorn's desk. "'Professor,' she said, "'had Mistress McGonagall mentioned on Friday night that you were going to rebrew and compare the suppressant potions this weekend?' "'Ah, Miss Granger,' Slughorn said, straightening his robes. "'Indeed.' "'Over the weekend I developed several varieties for you to try. "'Quite a subtle bit of magic, Suppressants. "'Requires prodigious skill, if I may say so myself.' "'He tapped the side of his nose conspiratorially, "'but then his joviality faded somewhat. "'Unfortunately, there is no reason to think that any of them "'will be more effective than your current batch. "'The freshness wasn't the issue. "'The magic, comparatively speaking, is quite similar. "'The primary difference is in the side effects.' He pulled a small box out of his desk, containing rows of various colored potions. Here is the first one I made, which causes the coughing fit upon imbibing. This version here results in a faintly green aura. This one seems to cause fang growth when angry. And this causes fuzzy-mindedness. Hermione stared down at the options. I did some research this weekend. I didn't think the attack was caused by a failure of the suppressants, Hermione said, fidgeting with the vials in the box. "'But thank you for putting so much time into this for me. "'I'm very grateful. "'Think nothing of it. "'I'm always happy to help exceptional individuals such as yourself. "'By the way, I'm intending to hold a slug club party again. "'You are, of course, invited. "'And if you would put in a good word with Mr. Weasley and Mr. Potter, "'I would be tremendously flattered to have you all at my little soiree. "'I'll mention it to them next week,' Hermione promised, "'already certain that neither Ron nor Harry would have any interest.' "'Excellent. Give them both my sincerest regards,' Slughorn said, bobbing slightly. "'Yes. Thank you, Professor.' Hermione packed the box of suppressants into her satchel and left the potion's classroom, heading toward a nearby alcove to check the marauder's map. She turned into the alcove and nearly ran into Daphne Greengrass, who was having an intense conversation with Malfoy. "'Is there something objectionable about my sister or I that makes us somehow completely unacceptable company for you?' Daphne was saying in an affronted voice. "'Just once! That's all I'm asking. "'The way you're acting, a person would think "'I was trying to entrap you in a marriage!' "'Hermione stared and Malfoy caught sight of her. "'Granger?' "'Hermione felt her ears grow warm. "'Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. "'You're not. Daphne was just leaving,' Malfoy said quickly. "'Daphne rolled her eyes and shouldered quickly past Hermione. "'Malfoy stared down at her. "'Did you need something?' "'Actually, yes. "'If I could have a word with you in private, if possible?' Malfoy seemed to need to consider and rolled his jaw slightly as he stared at her for several seconds. Fine. There's a classroom around the corner we can use. Right. Lead the way, Hermione said, stepping back so he could pass her. He strode down the hallway further into the dungeons and led her into a classroom that appeared to be used for old desk storage. He crossed all the way to the far wall and then turned and stared at Hermione. Hermione hesitated for a moment and then shut the door behind herself. I'd really rather you didn't shut the door, he said in a tense voice before she had removed her hand from the knob. I'd really rather we did, Hermione said firmly and added a privacy charm. Then she turned to look at him, taking a deep breath and hoping she wasn't about to make a total fool of herself. End of chapter 10